Basketball teams are entering the final month of their regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. While some teams are locks to make the playoffs, others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any basketball team to win their next game, and if during that game, the team of your choosing hits a three-pointer, you bring home $100 in free bets. That's 100 to 1 odds on the team of your choosing to hit a three. They don't even need to win. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. The trade deadline has come and gone. We've all slept on it. We've all had our gut reactions. We've all had real-time reactions. And uh, we haven't had hockey in quite a few days. Hockey games, at least, I should say. Mm-hmm. And I should say Penguin games. Um so, yeah, not much has been happening in the world of Pittsburgh sports, I guess, except for the Pirates are doing the thing, sort of. Yeah, they've won three of their last four. So, I mean, that that's a pretty good sign for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Probably one of the better streaks we're going to have throughout the season. And as far as the Steelers are concerned, James Conner just signed today with the Arizona Cardinals. So that's a little bit weird. But as far as the Penguins are concerned, ever since the Jeff Carter trade on Sunday night, not much has been happening the longest break the Penguins have had basically all season and the longest one they will have all season is three straight days without a game. We haven't had a game since our last episode, so of course we decided to bring in the big guns. We had Michelle Crecciolo join us from Penn's Inside Scoop. We have a great interview with her coming up. We also are going to talk a little bit about the Jeff Carter trade, some fallout from that, and the Penguins wearing a white jersey on Thursday against the Philadelphia Flyers. We'll talk about that a little bit, but definitely you want to stay tuned for that Michelle Crecciolo interview. It was definitely one of my favorites. Real fun interview. I mean, we knew she had stories. Mm -hmm. I think whenever we were coming up with questions, I don't know how, I don't know how many times we wanted to ask about like past players or past stories and stuff from the past. I think we kind of wanted to keep it recent and ask about the things from the now, but, um, you know, we got good stories out of her. I think it was a great interview. And, yeah, stick around, listen to it, and hopefully we have her back sometime. It was honestly just a great interview and uh, great stories. So if you want a real Penguins insider, that's that's one to go to. Oh, yeah, and obviously you definitely want to read everything that she has on the Pittsburgh Penguins website. And we all know that you need to follow the Penns Inside Scoop on Twitter. It is one of the best 
Penguin's Twitter accounts to follow because that's where you get all your information. That's where you get to learn about the personalities of the players. And we touch on all of that in our interview as well. So definitely stay tuned for that. But let's start off this episode talking about the Jeff Carter trade. In our last episode, it broke as we were recording our live stream for our last episode. So let's talk about it now that we've kind of slept on it, now that we've seen him through a couple practices, now that we've seen where he's being deployed, at least to start by Mike Sullivan. Jeff Carter was acquired by the Penguins late Sunday evening for a conditional third and fourth round picks. The third rounder is going to be in 2022. That becomes a second rounder if the Penguins reach the Stanley Cup Finals and Jeff Carter plays 50% of the games from here on out the rest of the season. So the Penguins get if the Penguins get to the Stanley Cup Finals, that becomes a second rounder. Otherwise, it remains a third rounder. The fourth round pick is in 2023, and that moves up to a third round pick if Carter plays 50 games next season, which in his media availability, the first time he got to Pittsburgh, he said he does plan on playing next season, albeit reports of him possibly wanting to retire after the year. So there's a good chance that becomes a third rounder as well if Carter can play and stay healthy next year, and that's all via the LA Kings website, those conditions as well. So not a whole lot to give up for a guy like Jeff Carter. Not, nope, nope, not much at all. Um, the draft picks aren't even from this year because mm-hmm. we don't have draft picks this year. But, um, yeah, like I said, I slept on it. I'm fully behind this because L.A. is retaining half. We didn't even give up picks from this year despite how little this year's draft might actually mean. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a good thing we don't have draft picks, by the way. I just want to say this now. It's not a good thing we don't have draft picks, but... It doesn't hurt us too much because there's we're getting no scouting done here. Mm-hmm. No good scouting, at least. That's kind of a benefit of not having any draft picks this year is that, I mean, it's not that we're not throwing away picks with them, but, you know, who knows how everyone's picks are going to go. Don't be surprised if some really good players go in the later rounds because we just haven't been able to see them. Uh, back on topic of Jeff Carter, though. Uh, yeah, we didn't give up any picks from this year. They're all conditional, so things can change. Um, the retirement thing was a part of it, but, I mean, did he want to retire when he was still in the sloppy L.A. organization? Or should I say team? The organization's fine, but like, the team isn't that great. Maybe he thought of retiring then because you figure there's no way out. It's one more year. I've won my cups. But now he's in a, now he's on a good team and has the chance to win another one before this contract is up and before he might not be able to get another one. So, yeah, I can see why he'd want to go another year here. Um, and like I said, they're retaining. So, yeah, you know what? I've slept on it. We need, we do need a guy down the middle, and that's where he's going to start, and that's good. Um, and is that veteran presence? I heard someone, I forget who it was exactly, uh, but kind of draw the comparison of an an olderman uh, trade deadline acquisition for the Penguin situation to a Billy Garen. Mm-hmm. Now he's not obviously going. He's obviously not going to play in the top line like Bill Guerin did. Um, but you know he's the veteran presence. He's kind of done it before, and he is a shooter who is going to have a little bit of a not a nasty side, but a little bit tougher. He's going to try to be a little bit more tougher. I mean, unless his advanced age doesn't let him, but so be it. Uh, I like the pickup a lot. I mean, like I said, we didn't give up anyone on the roster. We gave up two conditional picks that are not even two in the same year. It's one next year, and then the one, and one the year after. Mm-hmm. So, really, we're gonna for, by the time twenty twenty three is that the second one? Yeah. Yes, 
by the time we get to that one, we're going to forget that that was the condition. Yeah. That's very true. And, and as you mentioned earlier, draft picks right now, it's kind of weird because they're not valued as they were in years prior, mainly because of the lack of scouting that all these NHL organizations can do into these young players. I mean, even just this week, we saw that the Memorial Cup is canceled in the CHL. While we'll still get to see who wins the OHL, who wins the Q, we're not going to get to see the Memorial Cup, which is just yet another instance of a lack of games to be able to judge these players on. So that's why a lot of people have kind of pointed towards what happened on the trade deadline, why a guy like Nick Foligno could fetch a first-round pick, and, and why different picks, maybe Sam Bennett gets a second-round pick because of the fact that we don't really know the value. It's a little bit different this year. So... Even with that being said, that even lessens the value of a third and a fourth round pick that you traded for Jeff Carter. It's it's a deal that right now, it was the only deal they made. So even if it isn't anything, they thought, and by they I mean Ron Hextall and Brian Burke thought that the Penguins needed one extra piece, especially with the injuries happening. And of course, adding Jeff Carter, a guy who could play center right after Freddie Gaudreau goes down week to week with an injury. It does help bolster your lineup a little bit, and we'll get to what the lineup looked like on Wednesday whenever they took practice. But it's an addition that could help them. You mentioned he's a guy that is 36 years old. Yeah, he is a veteran, but what he does bring, and he even said this in his media availability, is he still has his speed, and he loves to put the puck on the net, and that's the big thing. Right now, he has more shots this season than anybody on the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. So... That's something that he brings, and for the shoot-the-puck crowd, I'm sure that's something that they're very excited to see is just him get there. He says basically he likes to get in the zone and rip it on net, and I think that's something that would be kind of a breath of fresh air for the Pittsburgh Penguins because they do have some players that, listen, they have a lot of skill, so they like to try to make the pretty pass, try to make the pretty play, and Jeff Carter, basically from what he's saying is, I'm not that kind of guy. I come in, I shoot the puck, I hope it goes in. If not, I'm going to create a rebound opportunity. And that's something that could help the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially with the two line mates that he is placed with to start off. At least we expect him to be placed with to start off on Thursday against the Flyers. Yeah, and it's uh, McCann and Zucker, right? Yep. That's that's fast. That's fun. That should be very interesting, to say the least. Um because we know McCann likes to shoot the puck. We have talked about it at nauseum here. We now know Jeff Carter likes to shoot the puck a lot. We will probably talk about that at nauseum. Mm-hmm. We know Jason Zucker needs to not turn it around, but continue to have a bit more of a steady game. Um, switching his wing is something that could help. A little change of scenery, a little change of pace. Mm-hmm. See what happens. This could that could that This whole line could be a lot of fun. Um and who knows, even further down, it could be the third line going forward once all is, you know, once everyone is back and healthy. Yeah. I.e. Malkin and Kapanen, which really don't have a timeline, so. Yeah. Rob Rossi said there's a tentative timeline of, like, I need to check the date. I know I for it's, Kapanen, it's, like, about a week or two, and for Malkin, it's about two or three. It's, like, the it's like May 4th, 6th, or 8th, I believe. So those are the last three games of the season. So It's going to be cutting it close. Yeah, whereas Tanev is... Tanev won't return in the regular season. He might come back in the playoffs. Yeah, it's apparently not getting better. It's a, it's rumored to be a shoulder thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, perks of listening to 
sports radio, you know. Uh, you learn these things. But, yeah, it's the injury front isn't looking good for those three at least. Or isn't looking phenomenal because you want those guys to be back, obviously, especially Malkin being back sooner than maybe the last game of the season. Uh, whereas Kapanen coming, Kapanen coming back is a nice little push, but it's something. So who knows? I mean, when all is said and done, that could the Carter, McCann, and Zucker line could still be the third line. Um, this is all but pushing Tanev to the fourth, which is kind of nice, and pushing Goudreau out of the lineup, which sucks, but he's hurt anyway, which, go figure. Yeah. And then we just got to figure out Jankowski again. But maybe he's out of the lineup once all said and done, too, because Carter's a guy that can play center or he can play a wing if, if we really do want to play Jankowski that bad, which we shouldn't, but... Listen, I know everybody's pretty hard on Jankowski, and I'm not going to kind of leap to his defense too, too much, but at the time that he was healthy scratched, he was tied with the team lead in five-on-five points since Malkin's injury. So, yeah, you can say what you will about the fact that I think half of his points came basically because of empty netters, but he was playing overall a better game before he got healthy scratched. It's at least an improvement, and for a guy that's supposed to be a fourth-line center, we really don't need much from him. No, we don't, and yeah, it is improvements, and I will agree with you, yeah, it is improvements, because it was, I think at one point, like four points in three games, two games? He did have a stretch like that, yeah. Or something better in three. It's it's interesting. I think what really did him in was that that wasn't, I don't want to say consistent, because those numbers shouldn't be consistent for him, but it's the fact that there was such a long stretch of absolutely nothing. Not even a secondary assist squeezed in there. It was absolute, I don't want to swear right now, but it was absolute dog shit. Yeah. So, it wasn't good. And, I mean, he came out so strong. We thought things were going to be better. I think that's, maybe that led into it too. He kind of, that he started with his first two games being bonkers. We thought they were going you know, to be really good. We thought Tanev and uh, Jankowski were going to have this, unprecedented uh, chemistry that we totally forgot about because they were college roommates. Okay, that didn't work out. Now did it. So, when you go 20-some games without a point, it leads a bad, it leaves a bad taste in fans' mouths. It leads a bad, leaves a bad taste in coaches' mouths. And that's not what you want. I get you... I get rebounding at some point is good, but you gotta be a little more consistent than just no points in 20 games. And I understand that. And listen, I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to come to his defense too much because at some point you do have to put the puck in the back of the net or at least assist in some way. And he has done that as of late, but we'll have to see. He does draw back in the lineup in the latest projection based, based on the practice lineups from Wednesday and via Penn's inside scoop, ironically yeah. enough, the practice line rushes were... Obviously, Gensel, Crosby, Rust, they're not breaking up that top line. That makes complete and utter sense. McCann, Carter, and, and Zucker, as we mentioned, Zucker moving to his off wing on the right side, where he did play plenty of time in Minnesota. So this isn't something very new to him. And he does feel comfortable, as he mentioned, after practice, playing on that off wing and McCann being bumped from center to left wing, even though McCann has had a pretty good stretch here as the second line center, but I feel like a lot of it's also inflated by the fact that he has just had so much success on the power play. 
that I'm not exactly sure that his five on five is quite as stellar as it might seem because of how many goals he's scoring on the power play. I mean, he has three power play goals in the last four games, I believe, or five games, something like that. So it's definitely helping his case, the fact that he's on that number one power play and he's being able to succeed on that number one power play right now. But to continue with the lineup, Aston Reese and Bluger are going to be reunited as of right now, it seems like. And Rodriguez drops down from the second line to the third line. The fourth line is Zahorna, Jankowski, and Sevier with Lafferty being the 13th forward, presumably would be the healthy scratch if this is what stays for Thursday night's game against Philadelphia. Uh, it's nice to see Zahorna be able to retain a, a roster spot with a new guy coming in in Jeff Carter. Of course, Freddie Goudreau is out, so it, it is a little bit different, but Jankowski being able to jump back in there simply because McCann is moving over to the wing and Goudreau is out, so they needed to fill a role with a center. Jankowski gets to go back in with Lafferty taking the healthy if this is what we see tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Zahorn is a guy that, um, I mean, we discussed for a hot minute in our interview coming up that uh, he's stepped up pretty well in this in this organization and has um, learned the game and really is finding himself as a good spot here, making his friends like he should and seeing Lafferty out of the lineup. If you would have told me that last year, I think I would have been upset. But again, yeah, it just hasn't performed this year, and we need some sort of consistency and odd man out. And I think that's kind of where we all had him this year anyway, yeah. give or take. Odd man out. We were hoping that he could be a little bit more, especially with the promise that he showed in the return to play training camp last August and also in training camp this year, but he just hasn't been able to put it together in-game action. We hope that maybe next year's the year for him, but I won't really hold my breath necessarily until I can actually see it in-game action. As far as Carter goes, starting on that second line it is a big step for him because we expected, obviously, him to be a third-line kind of guy. And, you know, with injuries to Malkin and Kapanen, it's probably going to be where he ends up going. But at the same time, right now he's going to get deployed as a second-liner. He has seen practice time on the second power play unit. He's seen practice time on a penalty killing unit. So we're going to get a healthy dose of Jeff Carter come Thursday night. And you know what? That's fine. That's fine. You get you get a new guy at the trade deadline. You want to use him. Mm -hmm. And we're going to use him. We got him because we needed something. Now he's going to be used in that need. So, yeah. It's, it's, not, like he, it's not like we traded for some fourth line. It's not, like, it's not like we swapped fourth liners like we thought we would do. Mm -hmm. It's not like we did that and immediately put him up to the second line. No, we got a decently skilled player who's got a resume, and we're going to use him because we have to. Yep. He's able. He's got the ability to play the second line, so it makes total sense. And hopefully it doesn't last. Well, if he's good, then it has to last. That's fine. Uh, but we'll just see how it goes. I guess I shouldn't worry about how long it lasts considering his position there banks on uh, Malkin being healthy. Yeah, and the Penguins, since Malkin has gone down with that injury, are 9-3-1. So they have been able to not just stay afloat, but still perform in a very, very impressive manner without Evgeny Malkin. Clearly, they do need him back before the playoffs, though. Nobody's going to be mistaken and say that the Penguins don't need Evgeny Malkin. They do need Evgeny Malkin because without him, they're not going to win the Stanley Cup. They're not going to sniff a Stanley Cup. But they, it is nice to see that they can still perform without him and they can still challenge for a top spot in the division without him. But 
Let's move on to a couple of housekeeping things before we send it over to our interview with Michelle Crecciolo of Penn's Inside Scoop. For one thing, the Penguins players and some coaches have been vaccinated now. They were vaccinated on Monday, the first day of this three-day break, which is the reason that they were held off ice workouts on Tuesday. We did see some players skate, including Evgeny Malkin and Jeff Carter for the first time. But Tuesday was kind of a light work day for the Pittsburgh Penguins before Wednesday getting back to practice in a full practice atmosphere and gearing up for Thursday's matchup against the Philadelphia Flyers. But good to see the Penguins are vaccinated. Makes you feel a little bit more comfortable about the COVID situation in the NHL. The Penguins have done a very good job already this season of kind of avoiding all of that stuff. They have had a couple games canceled, but it is usually because of the other team. They've had a couple of players on the COVID list, but they were mostly false alarms, and it was a player on for a day or two. So they've done a good job, and this is kind of like a reward for them, getting vaccinated, getting to kind of still obviously keep their guard up, but still having that reassurance that it's less likely to happen now. It's the way we should all feel about getting the vaccine, isn't it? I'm not not going to go into that rabbit hole. (laughs) <laughs> i agree the, but i i don't i'm just, not gonna yeah just the reward of hey you got it things uh should be a little better in the future it's a little reward now still be safe mm-hmm. that's kind of the part of, part i was getting at but we've been touting hey be safe out there for the past year or so so yeah I, but we're just continuing that i mean yeah i got my first dose on tuesday so it's it feels a little better my arm isn't sore anymore so <laughs> I'm sure that's why I'm sure that's why these athletes, you know, these professional uh built athletes took Tuesday off is for a little arm soreness. Well, <laughs> in case any of them got worse yeah. injuries then. Yeah, 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 I know, of course. Um plus they deserve a day know- off. I mean, jeez. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> plus on a 3-day break, yeah, you deserve the days off. Plus we don't know which vaccine they got. Um apparently the Rangers had the Johnson and Johnson one. Yikes. yikes big yikes. Um, our best guess though is, and this is not, I mean, oh, here, I'll say it's my best guess is that if the Penguins were sponsoring a Pfizer vaccine clinic somewhere, odds are they got Pfizer. Again, I'm not going to say that's true. I'm not going to say that's not a source on this. I'm just taking a guess, Mm -hmm. speaking it into a microphone. And yeah, it's what we want to see around the NHL, more teams getting vaxxed. And for what it's worth, I mean, yeah, Johnson Johnson got put on pause, but it it's not like it's because it's not not effective. It just yeah. has a bad side effect. A possible bad side effect. The reason they're pulling it back is because that is a possibility and they want to ensure that it's not something safe. that is yeah. going to cause that 100% of the time. So, But yeah, it, it's good to see the Penguins players and coaches get vaccinated. We don't know which players got vaccinated. We don't know how many of the players got vaccinated. But what we were told is a healthy majority of the players decided that they would go forward and get vaccinated. So... It is a little foot off the pedal, but still in control of the vehicle thing with the COVID-19 situation. Obviously, seeing the Vancouver Canucks all come off of the COVID list right now, they're trying to get ready to to go back into game action. It's something that you don't want to see. You didn't want to see it with Vancouver, and you definitely don't want to see that happen to any other team. Yeah, that was that was bad, and it didn't help that it wasn't a regular strain. It was Brazilian, I believe it was the Brazilian strain, mm-hmm. so that didn't make things any better. Yeah. Uh, not that one strain's worse than the other, but you can't fight against the ones we don't know about. So, yeah. yeah, it's good to see they're doing better, and they probably won't play for a little bit still, but, um, hey, you know, 
Things got to get better. Yep. Things are going to get better. These are... Just everyone still has to be safe and cautious. It's the world we live in. It's the way it's going to be. One last quick little sidebar before we get to our interview with Michelle Crecciolo. The Penguins will be wearing the reverse retro white jerseys at home against the Philadelphia Flyers this Thursday night at PPG Paints Arena, which begs the question, Horwat, should the NHL go back to white home jerseys? I don't really care. <laughs> oh, you you got to have an opinion, right? My opinion is here. You, my opinion is it. Sh- there shouldn't be a, ne- a necessary home or away mm-hmm. jersey. It should just be whatever the hell the home team wants to wear that day. I get it in hockey. It's harder to do whenever you only have two options sometimes, and you just kind of designate it, and that's how it goes. Uh, but I like the idea of. I think basketballs like it, where it's kind of like they have. They, each team has like five or six jerseys, and it's kind of like. We'll wear them kind of whenever we want. We'll coordinate with the other teams, and we'll all look cool one day. And <laughs> that's the way it should be, really. Like, who really cares who's wearing what where? As long as your team is winning, I don't, they could go out in black and orange. As long as the oh. Penguins have more points than the other team, I don't care what they're wearing that much. Do, does this jersey behind me look cool and awesome? Yes, yes. Do I prefer they wear their own colors and their own logos? Yes. If they don't have to, as long as they win, oh, at the end of the day, I won't complain. That's just me. That's a bit of an, it's not even an old school take. That's just a bit of a weird take. Everybody usually has an opinion one way or the other. You're kind of just in the middle, like, I really don't care. Just win. If I if I had to pick between dark or lights at home, I think I would go dark. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of what I've always known. For hockey, at least, I get baseballs, the white pants at home. Um, I believe uh, soccer's weird, too. Um, Soccer home team usually wears white. Yeah, but I just know I've... Yeah, I just know that I've seen a lot of, like, red versus blue things. Um, Football is very... Football's weird. I forget how that one goes. Football, usually the home team... The home team definitely decides, but usually the home team goes with a darker jersey unless they're the Dallas Cowboys or unless they're playing on a very hot day in which the home team decides to try to get an advantage Mm -hmm. in air quotes, I put, uh, and going in lighter jerseys. Or it's the Steelers in the playoffs. Um, You mean the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. And, yeah, so really... Yeah, I mean, I'm indifferent on it. If I had to pick, I'd say keep the darks at home just because uh, it's kind of what I've known for hockey for a long time. And, uh, I mean, I don't I don't know. I really don't have too much of an opinion on this. Yeah, that's fair. I prefer the darks at home just because, like you said, it's what I grew up on. And as much as it's nice to see those white jerseys and as much as I like the reverse retro jerseys for the Pittsburgh Penguins, something about coming home, wearing your dark jerseys, and just kind of... I just, I like that look. I like, especially, maybe not as much in Pittsburgh because it is the black jersey with the gold, but a place like Dallas, they have the green jersey, there's green all throughout the crowd. I think it mixes really well, and I think it looks better presentation-wise. And it's not something that I'm invested so much into, but it's just something that I like the Penguins home jersey, and I like seeing them wear it at PPG Paints Arena. That's why I like to go with, I would, I would like to stay with that. Yeah, and another thing, too, is um, it's much more common than you'll see an alternate jersey that's a home color, a dark color. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a, a white alternate, unless it's the reverse retro, obviously, but it's, 
very few and far between, you'll get a white alternate jersey. So, um, the alternates should also almost always be worn at home because let your home crowd see it. That's, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, m- more often than not, I think it makes sense to keep the dark ones for home because you'll get an alternate that's going to be dark and you wear it in front of your home crowd. Yeah. Eh. Stuff like that. So I'd say if I had to pick, yeah, keep it dark overall. Just let the teams choose. That's my choice, really. Well, when we return, we will have Michelle Crecciolo joining us to talk a little bit about her stories from the past decade plus with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We would like to welcome onto the show a very special guest, Michelle Crecciolo of Penn's Inside Scoop. How's it going today, Michelle? It's going awesome. How are you guys? We're doing good. Doing good. I'm starting up like my fourth job this week, so <laughs> I'm going to be tired for the next couple couple of weeks, but... That made me exhausted just hearing it. So. Yeah, but I'm leaving <laughs> Good one luck. of them soon. So I'm leaving one of them soon, so it'll be three. But uh, everything's going great over here. And you know, we've been fans of the Pens Inside Scoop Twitter account for a long time now. Uh, but I guess we could just jump right into everything and just we know that you know you've been covering the team for a long time now. But with the coronavirus pandemic happening, how has like your specifically everyday uh, working style changed with it? Um, and do you think things will go back to normal in your sense, or is this some or are some of these changes permanent? That's a great question, actually. I think about that a lot. But you know, just with the news yesterday that, or sorry, today, that all of the players and coaches were able to get vaccinated, I think is a huge step in the right direction. And yeah, hopefully that starts getting us towards some semblance of normalcy. Um, but, you know, I think it helps. It was a long summer and especially too, because it was like basically two off seasons first with the initial pause, then playing just four games and then going into another off season. So it was a long year. Um, and I definitely miss being away, not just from, you know, the players and the coaches and the management, but just your coworkers. I mean, honestly, that's probably one of my favorite parts. Um, if not my favorite part of working for the Penguins is, that we're like a family there, honestly. I mean, I moved here from Michigan at, I had just turned 22 years old. I was coming to a new city, a new job. I mean, just out of college, had like no idea <laughs> what I was doing with anything. And immediately just, um, you know, everyone around me uh, at the Penguins, uh, and we truly, I mean, they're not coworkers to me. They're like family to me and, you know, some of my best friends. So it's definitely hard not, you know, like being around them at the office, on the road, uh, things like that. But, um, you know, so that, that part was, was tough. Um, yeah, this whole virtual aspect has definitely been an adjustment. I will say, um, it's actually impressive that even now over a year into it, we still have so many issues at times where it comes, you know, like I honestly, you guys, when we're doing a media availability and I have a question for a player or a coach or, you know, Ron Hexel or Brian Burke, I'm sitting there stressed just like, cause you don't necessarily know when you're going to be called on. So I don't want to be in the middle of, you know, 
tweeting something on the Pendensai Scoop account that you mentioned, and then, you know, getting called on and having to scramble and you know, put that aside, unmute myself, remember the question, ask it in a clear, concise way. So little things like that, I think, um, have, you know, there's still those hiccups here and there. And we actually talked to John Marino on a podcast and he's like, yeah, it's pretty funny how some people still can't find the mute button. So <laughs> things like that are funny, but um, I think we've all have, we do have, you know, a comfort with that. And, um, you know, and at least now I'm actually getting to go in for home practices and home games. So, you know, that breaks up my schedule and it's been awesome just even getting to go watch hockey in person and um, yeah, just being in there for practices and, and being in there for games. And um, that's been huge. So I will say, I think I'm pretty productive at home. I'm, I'm actually, I have like my big screen over here. Um, I get a lot done because there's not a lot of distractions. So that's nice. Um, but yeah, it has been nice to be able to go into the arena and see my coworkers, um, see the fans, which has been amazing and um, a huge, huge difference. So yeah, it's it's been an interesting time, but I think we're getting closer to normal and hopefully we can take that full step into getting a full building and hopefully traveling and doing all those things again here at some point in the future. You guys both mentioned the, the Twitter page at Penn's Inside Scoop, which is something that we both on this podcast reference all of the time, probably our quota is probably like three or four times per episode. And I think one of the best things about it is the rapport that you have with these players. And I mean, I think that's what makes the page that much more successful. So how important do you feel that relationship is to be able to cover the team in the way that you like to? Yeah, that's well, first of all, thanks for your kind words about mentioning the scoop and, and following it for so long. It's, you know, we really appreciate it. And like, honestly, it's, seeing tweets from from you guys and the fans like i absolutely love it and i love interacting with some of them and there's a few that have been yeah following along for a long time and i feel like <laughs> they're my friends at this point so um that part's cool but yeah i think that's part of what the pens and size scoop twitter account provides um to the fans is you know at penguins uh the team there does an absolutely incredible job um with that they have so much that they're juggling at any point you know whether it's you know, team related news or um, sponsorship news, things like that. So I think with the scoop, we're just trying to add, you know, some some personality, whether it's we can show that, you know, through as like a liaison to the players or yeah, just in general with like things we see. So I do think that um, relationship is really important and something that you know I've worked on building over the last 10 years with the guys and um you know, someone like Jake Gensel, he was someone I posted, uh, I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, you know, I was asking him about his consistency and he just immediately started shaking his head and rolling his eyes in the middle of the question. And, uh, you know, I definitely was like, oh man, I didn't realize that I was probably jinxing you. Um, so, you know, being able to, to show that lighter side of, of things, I think is important, especially during the grind of a, you know, 56 game season actually talking to his dad for a story the other day and he was like you know it, it's 56 games but to the guys it really does feel like 82 with just how condensed the schedule is so um yeah anytime I can try to to show any of that sort of personality I do and it is kind of funny because the guys they do see you know the tweets and you know, every now and then like I, Jake actually when he dressed as uh, Jake from State Farm for Halloween he actually referenced like the scoop Twitter is you know, that's the hashtag I use whenever he scores. So he's like, you know, I always see it on there. So I figured I might as well go with it and, and things like that. So um, it is kind of funny knowing that they follow it as well and um, can kind of just like bring all that to light. All right. So I'm going to bring this question up then because there was a, <laughs> a 
was last season um, that the whole page was basically dedicated to Jake Ensel. What was the story behind <laughs> that? And like, That's how did right. that come about? <laughs> oh my goodness. I actually did forget about that. But yeah, so when he was recovering from his shoulder surgery, I mean, you guys know when you hear the players talk about it a lot that when they're um, rehabbing that they're, you know, separated from the rest of the team because they come in early um, to to do that, like, you know, whether it's skating on their own with um, Ty Hennis or, you know, working with the medical and training staff. Um, so they're basically, you know, at that point done for the rest of the day. They don't have a whole lot going on. So Jake, you know, I think maybe was just bored <laughs> just hanging around the rink just to have you know something to do people to talk to uh so that was something where you know when i wasn't at my desk um or like on the road he would be back there and uh he would actually be coming to talk to jen bolano who's our vice president of communications and i actually sit like kitty corner from her office so um yeah like that whole communications content crew all sits together so I think, you know, if, if we ever weren't there, he saw his opportunity to pull a few pranks here and there. So um, the funniest, I mean, I did come in one time and the media guide was open to like a, his page um, in the thing. And then he had pulled his bobblehead out and like put like put it on my filing cabinets. So like that was one little thing that he did. But then um, he did decide one day to come in and change uh, my background and of both my laptop and my big screen to his headshot. Um, so, and then after we decided that, you know, like if he wanted his headshot to be so many places, we might as well change our avatar to his headshot as well. So we went with it. And I feel like we kept it for a while. Cause I want to say he was on a pretty, pretty good. No, I'm not. No, that must've been a different time. Cause he was injured. That I might not have been the same time. I think it was up when, the shutdown started so i think like there was no reason okay. to really change everything at least that's how yeah. i would call it and, yes. and it just kind of stuck the entire break yes so things had to change back um, yeah i was like on my big screen when i got back and set it up here i had jake's face and i was kind of like oh hey buddy just hanging out <laughs> doing some work it was 59 right there so yeah he's he's definitely someone that um you know i've really enjoyed just i remember being there the the day he was drafted in philadelphia and um, just following him from there. And he's definitely someone that, you know, enjoys, he, he's so great with the staff and um, just really building rapports with everybody here um, and really just like loves having fun with all of us and, you know, just joking about like us, like jinxing him and he won't answer questions if they come from like me or Josh gets off because he, he thinks we're bad luck and things like that. So he's definitely really fun and, and someone that we always enjoy interacting with for sure. You've traveled on the road with this team for a long time. And what is your favorite part of going on the road with them? I mean, do you have a favorite story that you think of on the road with the guys or that you feel comfortable sharing? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I think first of all, you know, the traveling is such an incredible perk of the job and, you know, definitely a huge privilege and one that, you know, I definitely miss a lot. And not that I ever took it for granted before, but even more so now I'm like, I miss it and I can't wait to get back. And um, cause yeah, you're just, and you're around the team that much more, right? You get to, you know, just keep building those rapports and building those relationships with the guys. So I think it's helpful for that. But um, I will say, I think just the whole aspect of flying on the team charter is amazing. You know, it's getting to drive right to the plane, parking your car and then just going 
boarding the plane right from there is is awesome. And, you know, anytime I fly commercial, I'm like, oh, it's such a process. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think you know, just staying in these amazing hotels, the Penguins really do. I mean, treat everyone from top to bottom um, that does go on the road with the team at whatever point, you know, the same way. So, you know, I'm getting the same treatment that, you know, the players are getting and it's, it's amazing how, how first class it is from that regard. So um, yeah, I, I would say my favorite story from the road, I think it's just kind of like almost little things like you, you have a routine definitely when you get there, it's like, you know, get to your room. I always unpack um, and then just like usually, you know, walk around until it's time for dinner with, you know, your coworkers or whatever. But it's always funny when you see, I think, like, I remember one time we were in Columbus and uh, we were just like, we were walking into the hotel and I looked over and Chris Letang and Marc-Andre Fleur were just like riding bikes down the street, like just, and they're just like, hey guys, and just like went on their way. It was kind of funny. I was like, oh, all right. Well, I guess they're, you know, just having a, having a little day for themselves. So um yeah i think just kind of anytime you run into the guys it's a little weird because like you know that they're all also there but you're you you obviously keep your your separation so um yeah and, and there was another time i actually left my phone at a restaurant and we saw that like ian cole and a bunch of other guys were also at that same restaurant and so we had to text ian and uh you know have him grab the phone and, and bring it back to the hotel and they decided to take you know a few fun selfies uh <laughs> as a little you know as a little gift when I when I did get it back so um yeah that was that's definitely another funny one that comes to mind I, I miss color he was one of my favorites great guy to have around definitely is comes off I, I'm sure you guys to, to you guys he comes off as hilarious and and that's the exact same way he is <laughs> behind the scenes too that makes that makes total sense for a guy like him he always seemed like that fun guy but I mean yeah with the tread trade deadline like fresh in everyone's mind um does yeah. the deadline day does it and like the weeks leading up to it does it add like a s certain stress level does it add to us to the stress of a player like do some guys fear that they're like about to get kicked out because a lot of times it's in the headlines all day mm -hmm. all week um but does that add to a player's stress level like can you tell it from your perspective yeah i mean i would think my biggest story in that regard is um the year i believe it would have been the 16 17 season and correct me if i'm mistaken um but i think there was a lot of talk of mark andre fleury going at that deadline um because obviously matt murray was there and i just backsat them to the cup um so i remember that was just and we were in chicago and i was on the road with the team and um i believe eric fair got traded um so we were like I'm pretty sure we were about to go to the rink. And so he was like, you know, we saw him saying his, his goodbyes to everyone. And um, so, yeah, I think that's really tough when it's a game day for sure. Like I, I can't imagine, I, I think on one hand, maybe it helps, you know, get your mind off it. If you're focusing for a game, when something does actually happen, then you have to go through that whole, you know, process or whatever. But um, so I think Eric Fair got traded that day, um, but Flower did end up staying and he started that night and had a phenomenal game. And he's always uh, the last one off the team plane when we land. Like he's always the last one there and the last one off um, because he is always late. Uh, so I just remember it. And so we sit in the very back and we obviously let the players get off first and, you know, then we um, disembark. But I just remember like he was, you know, getting all his belongings together. And 
I just went up and I was like, flower, I'm so happy you're still here and gave him the biggest hug. And he's just like, yeah, it's, it's, and you're just saying how stressful of a time it is for them. So, um, you know, they definitely, they don't let on that much, but I do think it is, it is a stressful time. I do think everyone around them tries to be cognizant of that, you know, people in the organization just kind of like, yeah, being understanding that, that it is a stressful time. And I think even as staff, yeah, you know, I, I felt like I was almost on call the last few days because you know, there have been times where I'm, uh, I remember the Phil Castle trade last year. Um, I think that was, was it the day before the draft or it was definitely close. It was within the same week, definitely. Yeah, but it was one of those things that I was at a restaurant and had to, yeah, quickly scramble and, you know, get back home and, yeah, tune in for... Um, you know, all those availabilities. So you, you always keep your computer on you definitely for the for the days leading into it. And then once it passes, you're like, okay, sigh of relief. We don't have to worry about that, you know, kind of aspect anymore, which is which is nice. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of stressful times for an organization too, I mean, the Penguins have seen quite a few coaching and general manager changes since you've joined the team. I mean, what is it like in the room when something like that happens? Is it like a sudden culture change or is it definitely a process of learning each other out, learning who each other are as people? That is a good question. I would say just from my experience of like dealing with Mike Sullivan coming in. Um, yeah, it was almost like all eyes were on him and what he was going to do. He definitely had everyone's attention. I would say just from, you know, like the media were just like, all right, just listening to him talk. I mean, he actually uh, called Sam Kassan and I and a few other media outlets on his way from Wilkes-Barre to Pittsburgh. So I think we talked to him for probably a good 20, 30 minutes at least. Um, I remember us having like a terrific impression of him, you know, and then he came in and did his in-person press conference and um, just outlined, you know, all of his ideas and his thoughts. And I just remember, yeah, just being so impressed. And I think you know, the players had the same impression as well, you know, especially that first practice. I mean, it was high pace, high tempo. And the guys were like, all right, like <laughs> we need to make sure we have our, our legs going from, from here on out. So um yeah, I don't I think it I think it's just something where, yeah, the, you're almost you're just there's a lot of change happening. You're just trying to like keep it all together. Um, just be like, all right, here's what the, here's what this guy wants from us. And here's what we need to do. And let's just focus on that. And, um, yeah, just try, cause clearly things aren't going well if there's a coaching change usually. So, you know, hopefully he has some ideas on what we can do to, to get us back on track and, and go from there. So I think you're just like, kind of, yeah, taking it all in and just, yeah, like listening and just seeing how all these ideas and, and thoughts come together and, Obviously, with with Sully, it, it worked out um, very, very well. I don't think we would have won those two cups without him. So, um, yeah, he he definitely got the guy's attention right away because he is just that alpha male kind of personality. So, um, yeah, it's for I think it's probably a little. It's a lot more pressure on the players. I mean, we get to you know listen to him tell us these ideas and then just kind of watch. We're not the ones who actually have to go out and try to learn all these new systems and. Um, concepts and all of that and and try to leave a good impression. But um, yeah, I think it helps, you know, Sidney Crosby obviously provides that incredible leadership and um, can almost be that liaison, I think, between the the players and, and the coaches. So he does an amazing job, I think, with that for sure. So you've mentioned some stories about Gensi and Fleury and Cole, but uh, my question to you is in all of your time with this team, who is the player that has been the most fun to just interview and just 
converse with on a day-to-day basis? Well, I think Gino would be my favorite player to interview, I think, uh, just because he's always so candid and honest and funny. Like, he's hilarious. <laughs> I feel like he's always got a joke um, to throw out whenever whenever we talk to him. So uh, I would say I would say he's up there. Um, I will say just in terms of conversing with guys that Matt Murray was someone I always loved just uh, sitting and, and chatting with. He's such a smart kid and uh, has such a good head on his shoulders. And, um, you know, I think obviously with his involvement with like, you know, being like the you can play ambassador and auction, like he he's so uh, like involved with the community, like wants to do what he can to help. And um, with all that coming from his dad, James, who, who was a lawyer before he passed. And um, so, you know, we had a, a lot of interesting conversations about, you know, different topics like that, that weren't necessarily um, hockey related. I think uh, Zach Aston Reese is someone else too that, um, you know, I love chatting with about just really anything and everything. Um, and when it comes to actual hockey talk, Chris Letang is probably my go-to for that. If I you know, actually do have a question about, you know, whether it's like a certain, like, I, I don't know about a style, like something about their style of play or whatever it may be. He's, he's so cerebral and, and good about, um, and, and he enjoys it, I think, too, just like getting into the nitty gritty X's and O's uh, types of things when it comes to like, you know, ideas or concepts or systems, things like that. So, um, you know, and he, I actually really like Chris is someone, I think just having grown up with this whole core, I mean, so I was 22 when I started, um, Sid was 23, um, Tanger was 23 and Gina was 24. So, you know, we've, we've definitely gone from like kids to adults together. And, um, so have, you know, definitely have a good relationship with those guys. And, um, so yeah, Tanger is someone that like, I feel like we can joke around and, and have a good time with, with some things. And he likes to give me a hard time sometimes, but, um, definitely always can get some pretty good stuff from him. So the, I would say those are the guys I, I enjoy talking to the most. And beyond the guys we see every day, I mean, the Penguins have had a ton of success from mm-hmm. the guys in the taxi squad or the AHL from this year, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but who do you think has had the most impact toward the team towards the team's success, especially this year? Just in general, or like someone from like the taxi squad that maybe you didn't maybe expect, would have expected. Like, like like Frederick Goudreau always comes yeah. to mind for us. Um, yeah, or even. He's- P.O. Joseph before yeah. like all these guys. And even if they're, yeah. if they're great guys off the ice too, I mean, if there's yeah. more to it, just um, who's had the most impact on this team so far to you? Yeah, I would actually, I mean, both of those guys for sure um, would be the two that I would single out. I think, you know, something that stuck out to me is uh, Evan Rodriguez the other day was talking about how Redeem Zahorna has been fitting with the group, you know, just the culture shock and everything like that. And, he specifically named Freddie Goudreau as someone who like went out of his way to make sure that Redeem was comfortable and um, which helped him in turn be more confident. And even re- when Redeem scored his first goal, I'm sure you guys probably heard him say like, I got to play with my friends, Freddie and, and Anthony Angelo, and that helped me, that made me feel better. So, you know, little things like that, I think has been great. Like I remember just being blown away the first time that Freddie did um, media availability, just like the perspective he had on everything and, 
you're saying like, yeah, it's not easy practicing, you know, not playing, especially since it's been so long since I played in the NHL, but I'm just happy to have a chance to be doing my job. And I know some people aren't as lucky. And so I think, you know, people hearing that, I mean, especially those who have lost their jobs probably felt really like, you know, heard and, and recognized. So I, I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. And he seems like such a great guy. Um, and then PO, you guys, <laughs> I, <laughs> we adore him at the Penguins. Just like, he truly is, uh, like, I, I know that I feel like I kind of say that a lot when it comes to guys that, oh, you know, like he really is a great guy off the ice, but, and I don't, you know, want it to become like a cliche, but it, it really is true when it comes to P.O. Joseph. Like, I think the best comparison I can make is that he reminds me a lot of Marc-Andre Fleury, um, not only just because they're both French Canadian, but the way they always have a smile on their face, um, are just so happy to be there. Um, you know, P.O. is someone that like just didn't even want to get off the ice. He just loves it so much. And um, I, I really respect, too, that he um, like wants to showcase his personality and, um, you know, just let the fans get to know him better. Like he he has specifically said that to me, you know, we, when we've done interviews, um, I actually wrote like a getting to know type of feature um, that was that's up on the website. But you would say like, yeah, any way I can share, you know, basically Anyway, I can share like parts of myself so that, yeah, like fans get to know me better or I can bring attention to this or do that. Like he's happy to do it, which I think is a, like a, a refreshing thing. He's, he's one of those kids that's grown up on social media. And he said that, you know, there's times he'll spend hours on TikTok. And <laughs> so I think it's just, it's good to have, you know, people like him and Kasperi Kapanen, those younger guys. I think that's part of the reason why there's such a good chemistry in this room right now, because you have these older veterans, um, you know, obviously like Sid and Gino and Tanger. But you do have these these kids coming in that I think do keep them young a little bit, which is which is great. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's been a really really good chemistry in this room, and I think it's apparent even from being on the outside of the bubble and not even being around them, just from watching them at practice, the way they're uh, like. I mean, they there's like this one drill they do at the end. I've been trying to find out what it is, but when they when someone scores, they lose their mind. Like they've just won the Stanley cup and it's the funniest thing to watch. Um, but like, that's kind of just evident every time they're on the ice together. And I think Freddie Goudreau is one that mentioned that um, before, like when asked about how special this team is like, you know, everyone really is just so happy to be around each other. And um, you know, as Ron Hextall said, it's part of the reason you didn't want to mess with the chemistry of the group too much. So um, yeah, it's, it's been really cool to see them gel, which hasn't been easy, you know, with all the restrictions that they have, um, you know, at, at the beginning of the year, they had to be socially distanced and um, even in the back and working out in smaller groups and not being able to hang out outside of the rink, things like that. So, um, yeah, but it's so it's been great to see them kind of overcome that and, and really gel together. It's funny that you mentioned P.O. Joseph and Horwat brought up the Jake Gensel takeover on your Twitter because actually earlier in the season when he was having his run, we switched our Twitter account to the P.O. show for like a week. <laughs> and it was just his headshot with our logo behind it like faded. And even on the show, we announced it as welcome to the P.O. show, a.k.a. Tip of the Iceberg podcast. And we just ran with that for a week. I absolutely love that. I don't know how I missed it, but <laughs> I give you guys stick taps for that. And like, I mean, yeah, I this really it really did feel like the PO show for a while in a good way. And I think he made yeah, he made such a good impression. And I feel like he's gonna be a team leader for the, for this group, you know, down the line. But like even um 
little things like he helps the other rookies out. Um, I actually talked to Drew O'Connor's parents for a story and uh, they were like chirping him a little bit about how he wanted to wear his puffer coat on the plane and um, carry this like Dartmouth duffel bag. And Pio actually like went and lent him a pea coat so that he <laughs> looked more presentable on the on the flight because <laughs> they're like, you don't want to you want to make sure you adhere to the dress code type of thing. So um, yeah, it was just funny that like Pio is yeah like had his back and was like, yeah, hey man, here's a coat. Like, don't worry about it. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think he's definitely a big part of the big part of the future for the Penguins for sure. That's good. And you had also just mentioned that um, these practices where they all seem to have this camaraderie and real joy to play with each other. It, is there a real story behind the mustache boy coming back or is it just kind of something that happens? Because I can only think of three people that could have come from and I don't see any of them really doing it. It's funny you bring that up, Nick, because I, there was, um, they were on the road recently and Tanger talked for the first time after like, yeah, that practice where he came out with the mustache on or whatever. And it was one of those days where uh, the, they were trying to get out of the rink. Like they had a, they're trying to make the bus. And I actually had my hand raised to ask Chris specifically whose idea it was. Cause I did want to say like, it could only be like you, Sid or Gino, like you yeah. literally are the only guys left from the first mustache boy era. Um, but there just unfortunately wasn't time to uh, ask the question, but I do have it in the back of my mind and I will at some point get to the bottom of it. So you guys can rest assured that <laughs> I will, I will try and find out who the culprit is. I think if I had to guess, it would probably be said, I don't know if we'll ever, if they'll actually tell us, but yeah. plus I mean, Gino we'll... was hurt too. So it's not even like he was there. right. Exactly. So... I mean, especially because those guys, like it's, fine for them because they know they're going to score they don't yeah. have to worry about it so <laughs> yeah hey coach let's yeah. let's do this competition we know we're going to win so someone else can grow a mustache so i did think it was good that tanger kept the sol the mustache in solidarity with uh with dumo and to try to break the, the losing streak in boston so and it's funny because Rust lost first, and Rust is usually really good in the shootout and in penalty shots. So I was, I saw that and I was like, I don't understand how this could have happened. <laughs> I know. I wonder. He must have like went and just like burned the stick after after the shootout, like never using this twig again. Because yeah, it's he definitely is not a guy that. He, I mean, he's usually pretty good in that situation. So mm -hmm. yeah, I was definitely surprised by that for sure. Not well, a surprise by Dumo, but. You know. <laughs> Four game point streak, though. I mean, yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, Michelle, we want to thank you so much for your time. I do have one more question, but we are very gracious that you gave us your time here on this afternoon, especially after the the heaviness of the trade deadline. I know you've been busy the past couple of days, but you mentioned kind of growing up through the game with Sid. And early on in his career, he was kind of, you know, nobody knows his personality because he keeps to himself. And he still does relatively, but there's still cracks where we get, oh, this is kind of his personality. You know, he went on spit and chiclets and that kind of blew the doors open on what his personality could be like. So do you have a particular Sid story that you kind of keep in your back pocket or all? I can tell you my favorite Sid story um, because it's just like a true indication of like who he is as a person. Um, yeah, so like in 2016, uh, I was in San Jose, you know, covering game six. And um, so like my boss, Sam Kassan, he had been there in 2009 when, uh, you know, they 
beat Detroit. And you know, he said his biggest regret from that time was, you know, getting so wrapped up in his work and the covers that he never took a second to like, just take it all in and truly enjoy it because you just never know when it's ever going to happen again. Um, so, you know, credit to him and to um, our boss, Tom McMillan at the Penguins who just said like, hey, yeah, like obviously make sure you do your work, but also like make sure you like just try to enjoy it too because, you know, like as, as staff, you, you know, we're obviously not out there lacing up the skates and <laughs> going out and playing. And as Sully says all the time, this is a player's game and obviously none of us like, you know, say that we take any semblance of credit whatsoever, but we are along for the ride and it is a lot of, you know, long nights and weekends and missing holidays and, you know, being away from your family and little things like that. So, um, you know, so it definitely was something that they, uh, the Penguins were like, yeah, like just make sure you soak it in. So, um, you know, we finished our work that night and went down to the locker room and the way like the locker room, um, the visitor's room in San Jose is, is set up. It's like, it's like a narrow entrance that like goes to the far wall and then it opens up into like the big main locker room. So, you know, there was quite the, <laughs> there's quite the, the crowd, you know, like packed into that first, like, like tunnel, like entry. Um, and there were obviously like a ton of people just packed into the room in general. So, you know, we just, we came in, walked in a little ways, myself, Sam and Jen Bolano, and just, you know, tried to stay off to the side. Like, obviously this is like the player's time and, you know, for their, for their families and friends and just wanted them to enjoy it. But we did just, you know, want to, want to just like see it for a few seconds. Um, and Sid, you know, like he's holding the cut for everyone. He's pouring it for everyone. Like guys are just like, you know, screaming and like champagne and beer just <laughs> flying everywhere. You like can't see a thing. And so you're like constantly like wiping the, you know, like alcohol out of your eyes. Um, but like Sid had the wherewithal like to spot us over there and like he called us over by name to come and drink from the Stanley Cup and like like it was to the point where we were just like is there another is there another <laughs> Michelle like Sam and Jen in here you can't be talking to us like this is crazy and like I it felt like I was floating like out of like out of my body like it was like I was watching myself you know like Sydney Crosby you know, the captain of the Pittsburgh Penguins, the one of the top five players of all time, just called me over to drink from the Stanley Cup in the locker room celebration. And like, I still to this day can't believe it happened. Um, but that's just something where, you know, like for him, he truly does want everybody to be a part of it. And so, you know, he gave me that lifelong memory that I'll cherish forever, you know, probably more than anything else from that whole run, like that's what sticks out of my mind the most. And it was him that like, you know, gave it to us. And so like, I know like that's just one, one thing that like, you know, I think that's my favorite Sid memory um, that like comes to mind, but he just truly is like, he, he is the consummate like player, leader, captain. I mean, going into his thousandth game, like, um, I did write like a feature about him that I was just like, you know, this is my time, my way that I can show him how much I appreciate him and show like the hockey world 
how incredible he truly is just from like the glimpses that I've had over the years. Um, yeah, I mean, I could sit here and talk your ears off about how mm -hmm. awesome Fit is. And like, we would literally be here all night, probably, you know, for the next week. But um, yeah, he, he really is, I, I truly cannot say enough about him. And um, he's, he's just the best. So I'll just, I'll just end it at that. He really is the greatest in every sense of the word. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that moment. Thank you for sharing everything that you've shared with us in this brief 35 minutes. I feel like I could talk to you for the next yeah. couple of weeks. You have so many stories. You have such a wealth of knowledge on the team and the sport itself. So thank you again for joining us. Let our listeners know where they can find you, obviously, at Penn's Inside Scoop and what you have coming up feature-wise for the Pittsburgh Penguins website. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you guys so much. And I'm sorry I've been talking your ears off for the no, past you're fine. minutes. Um, but yeah, it's it's truly a pleasure to be talking with you guys. And you had some awesome questions, um, which I appreciate, obviously, usually being the one that asks the questions. Yeah. So um, amazing job there. Uh, but yeah, you guys, um, Penguins fans, can um, on the official team website, that's where all of my features are. I actually have one coming up in the next, there's not a set timeline for it yet, but it involves a new pastime that the players have on the road. Um, so it's definitely going to be one you're not going to want to miss. It's something that I think is going to be surprising to a lot of fans, but it's really cool. Um, so that one will be coming up soon, hopefully. Uh, and then, yeah, and then so any other features I have will be on pittsburghpenguins.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Pins Inside Scoop. And then a half hour before every game i do a radio hit with paul Sagerwalds on uh 105.9 the x so you can hear me talking some more <laughs> about uh penguins related stuff if if you haven't gotten sick of me yet from from this past uh 35 minutes so yeah there's a few different platforms so um yeah follow me there and, and please tweet at me i love uh when people you know send me messages on on twitter so be happy to hear from everyone and if there's any features you guys would like to see, you know, in the future, please let me know. Like, I think like that's who I write them for are the fans. So if there's anything you guys are interested in that you want to learn more about, like, please let me know. And I'd be happy to uh, explore it further. You might have just opened up Pandora's box. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> but thank you one last time. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we hope to talk to you again soon. Yes, I hope so, too. And uh, thanks again for having me. What's up, everybody? This is Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres of the Hockey Podcast Network. Things are not going very well in Sabreland uh, this season or really for the past 10 years or so. However, we here at Straight Up Sabres are so excited to keep bringing you guys the latest Sabres news with everything ranging from interviews with some of your favorite Twitter follows all the way up to former players and everything in between. We have got you covered with your weekly coverage of the Buffalo Sabres. That's right. We got a lot coming up uh, through the rest of the season and into the offseason. Who's going to coach the team next year? Uh, is Kevin Adams going to have a new boss? Will he be a president of hockey operations? Will there be an assistant GM? Are they going to fill out their scouting staff? How many times will I cry next year? Maybe zero. I'm dead inside. Will Jack Eichel be here? Sam Reinhardt going to get extended? You know, all this and more on Straight Up Sabres. Exciting stuff. So make sure you're checking us out wherever you're listening to podcasts and following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres.
One last thank you goes out to Michelle Crecchiolo for joining the show. We really appreciate her giving us her time and telling us all those fantastic stories about the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was truly just so much fun for that 30 minutes to just sit back and be able to listen to some of her stories. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes at the end of interviews, people say, oh, sorry, I rambled for so long. No, that's, that's... exactly what podcasting is for. Have you ever listened to an episode where I kind of lose my mind for a minute? <laughs> I just ramble halfway through my rambling. I forget what I even said. So, yeah, rambling is the point of podcasting. We appreciate those stories. We appreciate the rambling from everyone. And overall, again, that was just a great interview. Yeah, it's a nice break for all of our listeners to stop hearing our two voices, to be able to hear a third perspective and somebody else speak for the for every once in a while because both of us do have that tendency to ramble on. But Let's finish off this week with our shout-outs and call-outs segment. Horwat, who are you shouting out this week? Um, I'm going to shout out the 2021 NHL trade deadline. It seems more active than usual this year, and it completely blew my expectations out of the water whenever I said, uh, I think I said onto this microphone, um, enjoy your popcorn, there's not going to be much happening. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? <laughs> there was enough. It wasn't a ton, a ton. But there was enough for me to completely eat my words and eat my popcorn. Um, Yeah, I mean, beyond other teams doing things, like Washington did a couple things. And and the weeks leading up to the deadline are always important. We got uh, the Devils trading away two stalwarts of their team to the Islanders. That was weird, but it happened. Uh, Then there's the Penguins. They didn't overstep. They only got Carter, and that was it. Mm -hmm. Good stuff there. And, again, the best part of the trade deadline was sitting here at this desk with you and Doug and then later Jordy. The fact that we're doing calls or shout-outs first. We're doing shout-outs. Okay, good. I always get those confused in my head. I just wanted to make sure we were on the right path. But, anyway, yeah. We're sitting here. The best part of the whole thing was sitting here at this desk. You, Doug, Jordy joined because Bob McKenzie decided to – tweet about the trade while we were recording um and we were mentioning at the end of the show that hey we don't know how true and um if this will actually happen by the time that's we said that when we ended the recording but we all woke up the next morning and saw it happen mm-hmm. so it's just a ton of fun if you have not listened to that episode by the way go it's literally the last episode back just go listen to it it's awesome um Go watch the video, really. <laughs> watch us all kind of have our head in our hands because each of our first gut reactions were probably, what are we doing? <laughs> but like I said, we all slept on it. We all kind of realized we were not in the wrong for feeling that way at first, but we all kind of learned. And you know what? It felt good to kind of... I mean, it's not like we were behind the desk at the panel. It felt like we were involved a little bit there on deadline day, though. It did. It was. We had a live show going on when it happened. It, it was nice to kind of announce a trade live with, I mean, the amount of listeners that we had were not too large, but it was nice to announce a trade live to a couple of live listeners, which was fun. And it, it's usually something to check off of the, the old box if you're going to be a hockey reporter or a hockey writer or a hockey broadcaster is getting to break the news of a trade on trade deadline weekend. So we, all four of us, share that experience. Uh, Jordy jumping on after the trade was yeah. announced. So it, thank you to him also for jumping on at a moment's notice yeah, from across the country. That was one of the – you're mentioning, like, you know, it's 
about being on whenever something happens. And I think another another aspect to it is the quick call in of, hey, you're part of this team. Join in. Let's let's get the whole thing going. Mm-hmm. Let's really get everyone talking. It was great discourse all around. And like I said, it may have been a minute part and an unnoticed part to a lot of people, but we were part of it in our own fun way. And it was a ton of fun for us. So shout out to the trade deadline for just making me eat my words and my popcorn. I know that you were a little confused there on what we were on, and I'm going to confuse you a little bit more because I'm going to go straight to my call-out. So I still have a shout-out for a little bit later. But my call-out is the NHL trade deadline. That's why I went straight to that, just mainly because, (laughs) for the most part, the day itself was pretty slow. I mentioned all of last week that this was going to be the first trade deadline that I didn't have work slash school. I I could just sit down and enjoy trade deadline day, and nothing really happened. Uh, I went on a live stream with Dougie on deadline day to sit down and discuss some of the deals that were happening. And for the hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half that I was on there, there were no deals really happening. So we were kind of just talking hockey, which there's nothing wrong with that. But on deadline day, you do want a little bit of, a little bit of meat and potatoes, a little bit of trade to talk about. But luckily the Anthony Mantha deal to the Washington Capitals kind of saved the day a little bit at the end. Of course that happened or at least it dropped after the trade deadline, Anthony Mantha to the Capitals for Verona, Ponick, the first and a second, which is a large load to be giving up. But Anthony Mantha, as we're recording this, already has a goal for the Washington Capitals and a pretty nice one as well. So we'll see how that works out for them this year. And definitely the Red Wings got a good load back. So a better return than uh, Taylor Hall. A better return than Taylor Hall, who also went to a division rival in the Boston Bruins. So the East Division if it wasn't already a difficult division and wasn't already going to be a difficult division to come out of in the playoffs, it just got that much better with Anthony Mantha, with, as you mentioned already, Kyle Palmieri and Zajac going to the Islanders, and with Taylor Hall jumping ship and going over to the Bruins. Yeah, but you want to know something about that Taylor Hall thing that's funny? Yeah, he may have gone to the Bruins. The very next day, uh, the Sabres pushed the Bruins to a shootout. Yes. <laughs> I thought they were going to do the damn thing. I really did. That would have been the biggest kick in the face for Boston just hey we took your player Anders Bjork got an assist in the game Taylor Hall didn't get a point it's almost like he's washed it's hey I don't want I don't want to say that because he'll he's liable to go out in those last two games against the Penguins and just put up Hatties in both so let's not bring that evil into the world all right whenever those games are over i'll get back onto my taylor hall's washed train well, there you go but then again we also might play him in the playoffs but i digress on that point that'll be, di- that'll be different then i'll mean it because it'll be the playoff time <laughs> fair enough horwat what is your call out i'm calling out the mlb and first oh. of all let me just say get used to me calling out or shouting out for that matter baseball baseball teams baseball players uh because I don't know. They're fun. To, they're easy to make fun of. They're a little things kind of blow up a little bit more in their face. And when fun things happen in baseball, fun things happen in baseball. But this was not a fun thing, and it's not a big thing. It probably won't even happen. But they keep MLB tries to keep tinkering with the game. Mm-hmm. They are considering, and they're actually testing it out in a partner league. I think it's called uh, moving the pitcher's mound back a foot. Now, baseball is in game of inches, apparently, when it comes to moving things, because a foot might make a whole lot of a difference, but why? Just just why? Are, are, are the pitchers really that salty about giving up home runs and the game being fun again? 
don't get me wrong, watching Joe Musgrove hit throw a no-hitter is a lot of fun. But boy, I think it was Daniel Tosh a long time ago said I would hate to be at a no-hitter just to watch two dudes play catch for nine innings. <laughs> you know, I thought about it, yeah. I think the most fun parts of a no-hitter are the last three innings, mm-hmm. whereas the first six are kind of, okay, can we get a home run? Can we get the big, towering dinger? Like That's what we watch the game for, these home runs and these hits and these and the offense of the game. Is the defense still a ton of fun? Yes. Um. But I think right now, I'm going to butcher his name. Otani? Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is one of the most entertaining baseball players right now because he can pitch and he can hit. And he can play every game. (laughs) Is he playing every game? Do they sit him? I have no idea. I haven't watched any LA Angels baseball. No one has recently, but (laughs) still. Um, But, yeah, for baseball... Why? Why? It's a pitcher's mound moving back a foot. Maybe it makes a difference. Oh, and maybe that's for the hitters. I don't know. I didn't look into it. I just saw that headline and said, that's dumb. I need to talk about it. But overall, I mean, stop trying to change the game so much. We, we, we follow hockey and we're yelling at baseball about changing the game too much. Yeah, that's a very fair point. But whenever I say changing the game, I mean the pace of play thing. Yeah, that needs to be picked up. The, the first two innings of the Pirates game the other night took two hours. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. As much as they might want it to be, baseball is not a sport to be watched on television. Baseball is a sport to be watched in the stands. And when you're in the stands, you don't care that it takes forever. But when you're watching from home, I get that it gets frustrating. I have trouble. I don't think I've watched more than five innings of Pirates baseball. I just watched the highlight packs mainly because I'm trying to cover the Pittsburgh Penguins and work at the same time. So watching the Pirates isn't really going to fit into my schedule. But at the same time, baseball is not a game to be watched on TV. It's a game to experience in person. You put that on in the background and you enjoy whatever you're doing. You know, if, if you're not watching other things, if like, if it's a midday game, if it's like one of those afternoon games and you're at work, pop that on in the background, you do your work, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, if it's a night game, you got things to do around the house. You pop it on. It's your background noise. It's like a live podcast, almost live podcast radio. <sighs> saw I saw on Spotify decided to do that. That was a fun tweet for a minute. But yeah, it's like a live game. It's it's live game action. It's, mm-hmm. it's white noise almost. I mean, have you? I mean, again, if you've ever listened or watched baseball, I'm I sure hope you've watched with commentary because even they get boring sometimes. Yeah. We love Greg Brown. We love Joe Block. But my God, they run out of things to talk about quickly. It, it is impressive how long it takes them, though. They they definitely have stories yeah. stacked up, and they do their research to try to make every inning just as entertaining as the last. But sometimes, you know, if you keep going one, two, three innings, or if there's some very, very slow innings where, oh, there's a walk, and then there's three strikeouts. There's a walk, and then there's a long at bat and a fly ball and it, it sometimes it's anticlimactic and you know mm-hmm. that's just what baseball is but for those of us that grew up around the game of baseball we enjoy it and we love watching it and we love more so being in the park if i'm offered tickets to a baseball game i'll, I'll never turn it down as long as i don't have anything else already planned just because I enjoy being at the ballpark. I enjoy sitting there in the outdoor sun, especially PNC Park. I know I'm going to miss that this summer. But I'm excited to go to Nationals Park and, and see what that's all about. 
Uh, I've been there once. It is very nice. I just don't remember a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, and for me, who has never played ice hockey, so I really can't equate it to a, a hockey thing, but there is nothing better than hitting a baseball so flush. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I was like five foot nothing for the majority of my baseball career. If I hit it as hard as I could, it was a bloop single into left. Uh, it's it, there's not there's very few better feelings. I mean, hey, you know, it's like hitting a drive spot on. Mm-hmm. You hit a you hit a good hard base pit a baseball pitch flush. You see it sail. There's no better feeling really. It's the hardest thing to do in sports. I will stand by that too. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that argument because that is definitely one of the top difficult things to accomplish in sports, but we'll leave that discussion for another day. Let's finish this one off with my shout-out. I wanted to shout-out Jordan Stahl. He played in his 1,000th NHL game this past Monday night against the Detroit Red Wings, so his brother Mark Stahl was in attendance. Unfortunately, the Red Wings were able to beat the Hurricanes in that game, so Jordan Stahl's celebration was cut a little bit short once the game began. But, of course, everybody remembers Jordan Stahl in Pittsburgh, second overall pick by the Penguins in 2006, the year following the Sidney Crosby draft. He was a 2009 Stanley Cup champion with the team, obviously part of that amazing third line of Stahl, Cook, and Kennedy. That shorthanded goal he scored in the finals is something that's going to live on in Penguins lore forever, and I just wanted to shout him out getting his 1,000th NHL game. Congratulations, Stalzy. I miss Jordan Stahl. I looked at some of those highlights of him with the Penguins, and it's weird that it's been pretty much a decade since he played a game in Pittsburgh. Yeah, his highlights will never get old here. They're um, timeless classics because they're so important for that era of Penguins hockey. I mean, never forget going into the 2011 playoffs 2011 playoffs where he was the number one center Mm -hmm. um horrifying times nonetheless (laughs) but he was he was always there for you whenever you uh needed him on the ice and yeah he was the i don't want to say the perfect penguin because he could play all all 200 feet of the ice but he was definitely one of the most notable ones because of the style of play he brought it was something mm-hmm. that team hadn't seen in a long time it was different he was big yeah Peng- the long the, the reach was in their t- yeah the, the penguins and their tall third line centers he was kind of the start of it he was he was the archetype for what the penguins tried to emulate for that entire rest of that decade and they got a little bit of it in benino even though he didn't have the size they got the game from benino and now the archetype is trying to match what we've seen with Stall and Benino, and hopefully, you know, Teddy Bluger becomes the third man in that race. We'll have to see. But, I mean, yeah, good for Stallzy. I A lot of players hitting 1,000 games this year. Yeah, Milan Lucic did it the very next day. God, of all players to do it, too. Um, who else did it? Uh, Keith Yandel, mm-hmm. someone else. There's been a lot. Obviously Sid, but we discussed that at nauseum. The New York Rangers celebrated Artemi Panarin's 100th game with the organization. Like, it was a massive, massive deal. And I was kind of... I mean, it's a New York Rangers thing, I guess, because they have to make everything glitz and glamour being on Broadway. That's all right. The Rays also gave out rings. For what? That's what I... That's what I should have called out for winning the AL, the American No, League. you don't get rings for that. You get a free pizza party. That's That's your... That's your 
your thing is a pizza party and you get your hat and t-shirt that's now soaked in champagne yeah it's not old school baseball anymore we're winning your we're winning the american league or national league that means a lot yeah no, we don't call it anymore. the pennant anymore well you still do but it's not it doesn't have it doesn't carry the same weight more people call it the alcs and the nlcs not as many people call it the pennant unless they're over the age of 50 ah yeah i was just looking at that they changed that rule not super long ago mm-hmm. In terms of baseball age, but yeah, yeah. There's there's a second call out for you. The Tampa Bay Rays for giving each other rings for winning the uh, American League. That's so funny to me. At the end of the day, you, know, you still lost. Yeah, Face they it. did still lose, and also the Dodgers rings were. I'm gonna say it hideous. They were about the size of my forehead. Well, that's what you're also saying with championship rings. Now they're getting bigger and bigger yeah. every single year because people. It, it's hard to get original with, with diamonds. So other than putting your logo on there, people are like, oh, let's just make it bigger and bigger. And it's like, at this point, it's not practical to ever wear it. So why don't you just, just make instead, it a bracelet? Literally, just make it a bracelet or something. Make it a necklace or something. I don't know. But I think that's going to be it. Do you have anything else for the listeners before we let them go? No. Uh, you just heard us ramble again. Like I said, <laughs> rambling is always fun on podcasts. Um, if you haven't listened to it, uh, go back and listen to our last episode. That was great. And then thank you again for listening to this one. And we've got more coming up. I can't wait for you guys to see how tired I'm getting. I'm about to start 6 a.m. shifts. And I'm going to be moving soon. So I was about to say, welcome to the club of the 6 a.m. shifts. That's what I'm on right now. Yeah, it's going to be fun times for me. Well, the Penguins have three games coming up before our next episode. So the complete opposite of what we had to work with coming into today. But we hope you enjoyed the episode that we had for you today. We hope you enjoyed the interview we had with Michelle Crecciolo just as much as we enjoyed it. And we hope that the Pittsburgh Penguins go out there and kick butt the next three games. Let's go, Jeff Carter. I want to see a goal from him against Philly. That'd be perfect. But we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.